I'm Chris Reback. This is Working Capital Conversations. If you thought Uber's network of cars was strong, you'll be very interested to learn about a new network that two former executives are spinning off and how they're impacting the venture capital world. Josh Moore is one of those former Uber execs. He was the general manager of Uber in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania, and helped grow revenues there from zero to $3 billion. Now, with William Barnes, who led Uber's West Coast Ops, Josh is leveraging the entrepreneurial spirit that drove Uber and driving it in a new direction. He put together a syndicate of investors, nearly all former Uber employees, to invest in startups either by other former Uber employees or in adjacent businesses and sectors. The combination, funding plus operational expertise, is called moving capital and has created a model that others in the VC world are watching. How does it work and what are the growth expectations? Here's my conversation with Josh Moore. Josh, thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Good to be here. So you have an incredibly interesting investment thesis. Um, it sounds like you are building and leveraging an Uber network. Uh, I haven't heard that before from other folks. It's both Uber employees as investors and, my understanding is, as business owners. Um, so first of all, uh, kindly correct everything that I got wrong. And <laughs> secondly, uh, describe your unique approach to VC. Sure. So, no, you're on the right track there. A little background on me just to kind of set the stage. I joined Uber at the end of 2011, beginning of 2012, to head up New York City operations. At that point, Uber was a basically a, a limousine service only in a few big cities in the United States. Um, you would request a car through the app, not unlike you do now, but something a little fancier would come. Someone would open the door for you. Uh, and that sort of... Uh, evolved over several years into UberX and a mass market product that is now used all over the world. Um, I like to say I graduated from Uber uh, in the middle of 2017 after about five and a half years there. Um, I started just running New York. By my last day, I was running the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania uh, with a team of about uh, 70 and $3 billion in annual run rate uh, in my book. And so um, that was, of course, an, an amazing experience. And sort of towards the end of that, um, in speaking with uh, a friend of mine who had a similar job on the West Coast, we remarked that we believe people leaving Uber are going to go and do fantastic things. And there's some precedent in that um, as alumni of Google and Facebook and PayPal and other transformative tech companies over the years have left to go and start you know, uh, amazing companies. And so, you know, what if Uber has a similar pattern um, and people leave the company and go and start great things? And um, at this point, we're now having a conversation in September or October of 2017, about a year ago, and there's a scooter company starting in Santa Monica, Bird, um, founded by a friend of ours who mm -hmm. we worked with at Uber. And so William and I both invested in that um, and sort of saw, you know, this is really happening. People are going to start companies coming out of Uber or be aware of them or be helping them or investing in them. There's just going to be a lot of activity. Um, Uber, because it's based, because it operates all over the world, it has staff all over the world. And so a lot of my colleagues um, who had similar roles as I did were located in other parts, you know, in other cities and other countries around the world. So the network is very powerful um, and kind of widespread. It, so from it, that point, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So from that point, 
Yeah. So from, from that point, we said, what's the best way to, to move forward? And we built the Uber Alumni Syndicate, mm-hmm. um, which is basically a group of about 100 uh, former Uber folks. So everyone has graduated from Uber and no one is still working there. And we share opportunities for investment. Um, we've done about 10 companies so far. And so some of those opportunities uh, come through my partner and I who kind of lead it. Um, we've also done a few that have come from folks in the syndicate. And, uh, you know, we continue to think that there's big opportunity, not just in companies started by Uber alumni, but companies in the mobility transportation space um, started by other folks that would really benefit from our expertise. Um, and so that is sort of what we've been doing for the last year. And we're considering uh, raising a fund to support that idea as, as so far it's been pretty exciting. And I want to talk to you about some of those adjacent companies and, and adjacent markets. But first, I mean, what you've described, this, this Uber network, um, you know, of alumni and, and really this, this club. Um, and I've read about that. There was a piece, I think it was in, uh, in Axios where they, they yeah. said, um, uh, you know, a few other VCs suggested that lots of startups would likely come out of Uber due to a highly entrepreneurial environment, particularly on the ops side, which of course is where you and uh, you mentioned your business partner, um, William Barnes, Barnes, uh, uh, worked. Is, is that true? I mean, I, I'm sure you'd say you feel that that's true. Describe that culture because what you're, you know, you mentioned, okay, Facebook, you know, there, there are a lot of alum. Uh, alumni who who created businesses there, um, but was that the culture within Uber? I mean, for for outsiders like me, we know the crazy stories about Uber, um, but that sounds like a real business entrepreneurial spirit that went deep within the company. Is that am I getting that right? Yeah, you know the general manager role which I held and William held, um, and there was basically one in every city. Um, was we were told, you know, look, you'll have a product um, that'll look the same everywhere, but the implementation of it in each city is going to be unique based on the regulatory climate, existing transportation options, sort of the the local economy. Every city is different. Uh, And so, you know, just sort of a kind of funny uh, example of that. San Francisco is famously the first city. That's where the H is um, the highways there are known as freeways because they have no tolls. Yep. Um, they come into New York and tolls are a thing. And so the software didn't support that. And so that had to be built. That, that's sort of a glaring difference. But there are little nuances in, in every city, all of which is to say the GM was given a lot of autonomy mm-hmm. um, and, and tended to be someone with an entrepreneurial bent um, who could really run the show in their own city, be like the mayor um, in some in some places, bringing a new transportation option to the city. And so the entrepreneurial genes in the in the company are real. And I think that led to both some of its biggest successes and maybe some failures, too, as people maybe didn't have quite enough supervision. And, and I think, you know, sort of hard charging uh, at our goals, you know, knocking down walls sometimes yeah. um, would have a bad outcome. But I think uh, on balance, it, it was definitely a positive. And so the DNA of the company is very entrepreneurial, particularly in the operations org. Um, and that's how the founder uh, of the company, you know, sort of set it up. And so I think that that take 
from Axios is right, that there will probably be interesting startups coming out of Uber, not just from the ops org, but also the product org and the engineering org. Um, and a lot of the sort of central staff in San Francisco. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair take. Um, and we're sort of being, um, you know, we're be we don't know. So we sort of see this whole thing as an experiment. You know, a lot of what we've done so far is just iterating on this idea as we would on a startup. So we have a theory that um, people that help build Uber will have sort of, uh, you know, spectacular next hacks, whether that's as a, startup operator or as an investor or just an advisor and community leader in tech wherever they live and just sort of being able to harness that, um, you know, would be uh, really magical. And, and so far that's been the case. And actually the email list, you know, I sort of, it, it is technically right now about 160 and it started as mm. a, just a few dozen and people tap other people on the shoulder and say, Hey, there's this thing and just, get in the deal flow of this group and maybe there'll be other opportunities. And I think, you know, as far as other opportunities go, we're definitely seeing a lot of job hunting, uh, you know, happening in this group. Um, you know, people leave Uber and some aren't doing anything now and others are starting things and others are just joining existing startups. And so the network generally we see as powerful, um, and the investing piece is kind of a subset of that. Yeah, it really is is kind of an incredible virtuous circle is what it sounds like. I mean, you've got Uber folks who will invest, Uber folks who have the entrepreneurial DNA who will launch, have launched, and, and I want you to talk to me about some of those, a couple of those companies. And then in addition, you mentioned this very briefly, um, you have – Expertise, because it, by you know de facto, the people who are investing from Uber have held, I assume, a, a full range of roles. Many of them in operations that you just mentioned, but also I would assume other areas. And so you you almost have an advisory expertise capability that you could uh, you know help to support the companies in which you invest as well. Is it is that right? Yeah, the expression that William and I use is we've seen this movie, you know, already. Mm. We've seen the movie before. And so for a comp so f just as an example, um, scooter companies, both Bird and, and Lime, uh, Bird, William and I invested individually before with the sort of syndicate started. Lime was a proper syndicate deal where about 50 of us uh, were able to participate in Lime's Series C, uh, which coincidentally Uber did as well. Uh you know, it's not exactly like Uber, but it has a lot of similar dynamics. You have a, uh, a distributed group. You have a GM in each city. You have supply concerns. You have demand concerns. Um, so there is a lot of similarities. And, you know, uh, using Lime as an example, we've helped them hire a lot of people and sort of think through um, how they should run their operations. Because, like I said, we've seen this movie before and it's not a one to one on everything, but there are a, a, a lot of similarities. So I think from a company's perspective, particularly a company like, like Lime, uh, whose Series C was rather competitive. Uh, it was led by Google Ventures um, and Andreessen Horowitz. And like, it was hard for us to get an allocation. And our, our, our pitch was, we can be actually helpful. I mean, mm. VCs sort of all say that they can be helpful, and many are, and, and many are not. But our pitch is, look, we, we did that. We just did this thing and you might be able to learn something from us or we might be able to help you solve your problems. 
And I think uh, by definition, this is, uh, you know, is a limited time opportunity. I think the band is still fresh and we're still all kind of used to working together. But I think in five years, it's likely to be less powerful. Um, so we definitely see it as a kind of right now opportunity. Um, but I think anything in transportation, mobility, uh, food delivery, any kind of logistics-based business, something that's going to be started in one city and expanded to many marketplaces more generally are, are all areas we feel comfortable um, investing and advising in. Um, and I think we have pretty good eyes for what, you know, I, I think anyone who works at Uber, the one thing that everyone has is an eye for what a rocket ship success looks like. Mm. You know, you sort of know when you see it, um, the growth curves, when we invested in Bird, um, they had only been out, you know, the, the Series A was after they were only live for about a month. Wow. And, when, and when the founder shared us, shared with us the ride data from the first month, it was like, okay, we've only ever seen this one time before. And it was when we launched new cities at Uber. And so even though you have like 50 scooters in Santa Monica and you're doing like 200 rides a day, like we've seen this pattern and we went, you know, we went in on that and, and um, have not been surprised at how successful that team has been. Um, and sort of a, a similar story with line, but at a slightly later stage. Uh, so the pattern recognition of, of what success looks like, I think we're probably the best at <laughs> because of what we got to be uh, a part of at Uber. That's a really uh, interesting term, interesting way to look at it, pattern recognition. So so then extrapolate off of that and talk to me about some of the marketplace or any of the marketplace type companies that you uh, are investing in and, and what special skill, insight, experience do you feel, you know, the Uber network and Uber alumni bring to that type of investment? Sure. So uh, one that we did that is particularly adjacent to Uber is called Cargo Does is uh, basically they envision putting a vending machine type device in the back of every Uber. And the story with Cargo is pretty funny. They uh, they approached me while I was still at Uber in 2016 with this idea, and we looked at it and said, oh, we don't really think this is going to work, Like, and this is not necessarily something we want to add to the ride experience. And so we shut the door on it, and the founder, Jeff Kripe, uh, just continued building, and he's in 1,000 cars, and then 2,000, and then 5,000, and I get reconnected with him uh, earlier this year, and sort of the progress has been stunning. Um, and so the Uber team... Uh, sorry, the Uber alumni syndicate uh, invested in the company. Um, this was probably in, in May or June. He opened a note for us and we got in there and there's, you know, more specific skills like wrangling drivers and how to best communicate with large groups of drivers and how to run events where a thousand show up and, and who to talk to within Uber. And, and shortly after we invested, they were able to get a global partnership with Uber. So that's sort of an example of us being able to uh, to really engage with an Uber adjacent business. And Uber as a platform, I think, will have increasingly uh, many of those, particularly as the company's philosophy shifts um, to sort of being more open to those sort of things. And so with Cargo, they were able to then go and raise uh, a Series A from Founders Fund, uh, which we participated in as well. But that's sort of like that's almost like too perfect an example just yeah, because of yeah. how because of how engaged 
the company is with Uber. Um, what about something truck- like Salido or or service something outside of that 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 you know doesn't appear at first glance to somebody like me exactly you know it, it's not a, a service that fits in the back of an Uber car. Yeah, service. Um, you know, we've known Michael Schneider for a long time. He uh, was actually an early advisor to Uber and is very well known in the Los Angeles tech scene. Um, that one is more just like we know Michael well and would kind of back anything he does. We sort of see him as part of our team in that way. Um, and then Salido is sort of a similar thing. Uh, Shu is a very well-known tech guy here in New York and um, has this vision of sort of creating a layer uh, on top of restaurant operations to help give owners better visibility and help them make more money. Some of those first few deals were more based on the relationships that we had with the founders than mm-hmm. sort of thematic relationship to Uber. Um, but it's definitely similar. I mean, with service, Michael has built sort of this amazing thing that it syncs with your inbox at any time you have trouble on a flight or a, or a hotel, it sort of goes in and automatically requests uh, money from, you know, from the hotel brand or the airline. Um, and that's a pretty interesting thing. And I think where we come in is we've been, we've been helpful in getting them in front of the right people at some of the companies he wants to form partnerships with. Uh, so that's been a good one. Truck map uh, is another that we sort of, this is a company that we, uh, we found, um, you know, sort of through someone in the network. They haven't raised a lot of money yet, but they, it's, it's actually one guy, Eric. He created an app for truck GPS, um, which sounds like regular GPS. But if you drive a truck, if you're one of the three and a half million people mm-hmm. in the United States who drive a truck, you know that you can't drive on all roads. Um, you know, there's right, sort of a right. limitation on because of height and weight of the vehicle and not all roads support it. And so truck map is a lot of things, but the feature that's been sort of the breakout success that's making it go a bit viral in the truck driver community is the turn by turn navigation on truck friendly routes. That, that um, is a so, fascinating, there, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, an overpass for I-95 very close to where I work. And I swear to you, once every three weeks, there's a truck. It's a low uh, overpass. And, you know, there are a couple of signs. Yep. No trucks, no truck. Every three weeks, there's another. They block the road. The cops are there. They have the tow trucks, yep. and they're having to back yep. out some type of truck that's just gotten the top of the can opened by that overpass. Uh, yep. It's a, it's a classic problem, and it happens all the time. Yeah. And so there are other features about, you know, rest stops and way stations and the right places to go for some R&R when you're on the road. And, and so I think there's an opportunity to, if you can get onto the phones of a significant number of the three and a half million folks who drive trucks for a living, there's a big opportunity there. Mm. Um, the trucking industry generally is, uh, has not been quite, uh, is not really modernized. You know, a lot of matching drivers with freight is still done over fax machine and bulletin board. So it's, it's uh, definitely an area that's ripe for disruption or making better through technology. Uh, Aside from any kind of autonomous trucking, I mean like the, still the standard version. Um, But freight in like the marketplaces matching drivers um, with 
businesses that want to ship something, most truck drivers are in fleets of, you know, three to five trucks. They're not big companies doing this. Uh, so there's no consolidation. It's highly fragmented. And we think there's an opportunity to be the companion app for that job. Uh, and so that's one that we're doing now. We haven't closed on that quite yet, but that's exciting for us. Yeah. That's the first, that's the first investment where we've really taken the, the lead role. Interesting. Yeah. Fa- fascinating opportunity. Philosophically for folks, you know, listening to this and folks interested in, in VC, you, because you've talked about investing both ways. How, how do you balance the people versus the technology versus the business opportunity? It sounds like you, you have had interests in, you know, in, in all three of those and been led into investments by all three of those. How, how do you think about balancing those? I think a really, really great idea is table stakes, right? Like you can't these, you know, something that sounds great, I think, is where you start. The next level is can the people that are trying to solve the problem do it? Do they uh, have the requisite experience or do they seem like they have it in them to put in the work to make it happen? Um, Will the execution be there? Right. So I'd say typically, you know, Uber's success, I think, at its very core is the product market fit of the product. I did not invent it. <laughs> no one in the syndicate was the inventor. You know, our founders sort of had this idea of you could push a button and a car would come to you. But the right place, right time in, in tech, the proliferation of, of the iPhone and Android with GPS on it, like that's what set the stage. Perfect idea at the right time. Um, and so that drove a lot of, of the success, but it was critical to have the right folks. You know, we would definitely see success correlated to the strength of the GM in a city. And so there was clearly both at play. I think you need both a great, a great idea, you know, a great, uh, you know, whatever you're, you're selling or the yeah. service has to be great, but also the team doing it has to be able to execute well. What was the third thing that you referred to? The technology, you know, going in based on, on not just the people, not just the the business opportunity, but maybe also purely based on, or, or maybe not purely, but yeah. incented strongly by the technology itself. Yeah, yeah. I think for us, it's it's more often the business idea and the person. You know, the technology, mm-hmm. we're looking at the company's standard cognition, um, which is... Uh, you know, they're about to raise a pretty monster Series A. We're looking at it now. I assume by the time this goes up, we'll have decided whether to do it or not. But that's an example of – so what they do is the Amazon Go-style cashierless you know, store where you sort of walk in and grab a can of soup off the shelf and just walk out and it charges you automatically. Right. They've developed that technology for everybody else because Amazon has it for themselves. Hmm. And so a su- super interesting application there. Uh, for all the big chain stores that are going to want to compete, um, they have this. And uh, apparently the implementation of the technology through this company uh, requires less infrastructure, fewer cameras, less computing power, um, which is sort of, you know, which is obviously an advantage. So uh, that the on-ramp for us was like, wow, that's super cool technology. That's a little bit, we typically are, are doing more, things where the technology is not the centerpiece. It's more right. the business idea and the executing team. Right. So a, a couple of questions to, to close things out. First, on maybe the more controversial and more challenging side, um, Uber, incredible company, incre- I mean, incredible, incredible company with obviously very high profile 
challenges that it had, both at the founder level, which you've mentioned, and also at, at some of the city levels. And that was it, it was interesting to hear you talk about that. that that's kind of baked into if you you know have general managers who are incented to be highly entrepreneurial and are operating kind of individual businesses within a, an overall framework. That you know one potential risk side of that is a, a an over aggressive general manager. Let's just say, and and we've all sure. we've all seen the headlines. How do you do? Do you have do you, have you kind of operationalized how to manage against that type of thing? Have you have you operationalized or thought about how do you you know how do you manage against some of the, the you know the the negative cultural components that that yep. came out about Uber? How, how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, so so I have a whole bunch to say about that, as you can imagine. Yeah. Look, I mean. Uh, certainly the experience of joining a company of 30 people and my office was three people, you know, 30 all over the world. And you, like everyone else who works in an office, have the goings on of your office to seemingly in a couple of years, wake up and have the goings on in your office be front page news and the New York times and the wall street journal is among the most unique experiences I've had and probably will ever have. Yeah. And it is both, uh, amazing and frightening. And so a lot of it is, I think, Uber, um, you know, every every company has its challenges. It's just that our challenges sort of appeared on the front page of the newspaper. I think some of what was reported are, are real problems. And we um, do our best to sort of relay to CEOs of founders of new companies uh, about what things they should keep an eye on early, what kind of cultural implementations they should be thinking about, even at a very early stage, because you plant the seed early and that's what becomes the culture of your company down the road. If you are lucky enough to get to that kind of scale of a hundred or 500 or a thousand employees. Um, and, and, and so I think, you know, you want to keep an eye on that. And I think we're, uh, well positioned to warn founders and sort of guide them and coach them towards, um, having the kind of culture that they'll be proud of, uh, should it be reported on the front page of the newspaper or not, or just, what employees tell a candidate when they're considering joining up, like what kind of company is this? What will I experience with Uber when you're in, you know, a hundred offices and you're 20,000 people, I don't think there is a single experience that you have. I think everyone has particularly each office sort of has their own experiences. And so I think what the press sort of got, got wrong is that there was this uniformly bad experience. I think if you were to ask the average person or ask any random Uber New York employee, if like they feel like what was reported is accurate to their experience, I think you'd most likely hear a, a lot of no's. Yeah. Uh, that said, there were certainly lots of errors. And I think I sort of classify, I would separate them further, like the sort of the silly stuff, like the pre-2016, 17 kind of knucklehead stuff. And I'll just use myself as an example as someone who made plenty of mistakes. Uh, you know, we had a reporter who... We wanted to sort of show that we wanted to show off our technology and that we're good guys and that we're doing the best we can. And it sort of went into like, they have this tool to spy on us, mm. right? So that's sort of like, that was an unforced error. We didn't, um, it wasn't nefarious, but it was like kind of knucklehead. Um, or just being aggressive with competitors, you know, the, the limousine and black car and, and, and yellow cab industry is tough and it requires serious competition. And sometimes we took that too far. We made plenty of mistakes and I think we learned from them. And so 
I think when someone is considering letting us invest, I think that's one of the value props they see. It's like, well, these guys made every mistake. They made every success, but they also made every mistake. And so they can probably help me avoid those same mistakes. Well, what an incredible set of experiences. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like you've, uh, you know, you went, you went through it all. So what about the, the folks who, um, are, are waiting for you to turn into a traditional VC fund and, you know, they didn't work at Uber and they want to get in on this action. They like your thesis. Is that a, a direction that you see yourself going or are you happy with the, uh, you know, angel list kind of syndicate? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, right now it's a business kind of, and that occasionally we'll invite, if, if we get an allocation that's larger than what Uber alumni uh, want to fill, we have a network of outside LPs who will pay us a carry to participate. And so there is the beginnings of a business for William and me um, here, where primarily we're doing this sort of for fun and to hopefully rise to the surface uh, cool ideas and companies that people all over the world in our network see. Um, we do think about how we can make this a little more serious. So I'd say we're openly considering lots of avenues, whether that be raising a traditional fund um, or continue with SPVs and, and make those larger. But, uh, you know, we, we quite like doing this and, and see it, it could be particularly in this few year period where I think there will be a lot of strength in the alumni network. We're keen to make it a real thing. Um, what exactly the format of that, uh, you know, is sort of remains to be seen. We will stand by for it. Josh, thank you. Thank you for your time and uh, great luck with the uh, with the ventures. It's uh, it, it sounds very, very exciting. My pleasure. This was a lot of fun. 